Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Jared Gardner. It is certainly getting towards the pointy end of the 2019 NFNL season. Finals are upon us. We have netball finals commencing this Friday night. There's senior women's finals right across the weekend, and junior finals get underway on Sunday. Jared Gardner. The exciting time of the year is here. I generally say you get a feel when, when the finals come around, but just looking at the forecast this, this weekend, maybe putting a bit of a dampener there, the, the weather isn't coming up at, at the right time of year for us, but certainly a, a very exciting time on, on the NFNL calendar. Yeah, well, Samuel, thanks for having me once again on the podcast. As you said, it's, it's, we're getting there. We're getting so close to finals. There's uh, some big matches coming up this week across all three divisions, but... That the weather could just play a part in, in some results this week because we've seen a couple of rounds this year where we've had some heavy rain and some crazy results have come up in, in all three in all three divisions. So we'll have to see what happens this week and we might have some new storylines going into next week. Absolutely. So we'll touch on everything through the Northern Football Netball League throughout this podcast. We'll have interviews with Daniel Keenan who this weekend becomes the first player in NFNL history to play 400 open age at senior games. Uh, he's doing that uh, this weekend when Hurstbridge travels out to West Preston Lakeside. An amazing achievement by a player who's just about done it all in the NFNL. Two-time Frank Rosbrook medalist as the Division One competition best and fairest. Sadly for him, the, the one thing that's eluded him is, is premiership success. He's been on the big stage quite a few times, but uh, during that period with Montmorency, unfortunately on the wrong end of, of four grand final results. But uh, certainly Jared Gardner, one of the most... Uh, I guess revered uh, players in the competition universally like plays the game as it should be played he's um, honest he's fair and and obviously supremely talented as well not just the number of games he's now racked up but I guess the the way he's been able to perform at such a high level for such a long period of time and still doing it again this year in his 21st or 22nd year at senior level yeah it's a, it's a crazy achievement and one that doesn't come around very often <laughs> as you said the first in, in NFL history to to notch up 400 games it just is a credit to him and, and the way he plays the game and and just kind of his love for the game because you don't play 20 something years of, of footy for no reason so um, it's a great achievement by Daniel Keenan and it'll be great to see him run out in his 400th this weekend Absolutely it will so we'll have him in the program in a few moments time we've also caught up with Steve Late the coach of Panton Hill they created one of the biggest storylines over the weekend became the first side to defeat Lorimer it means that that long wait for a side to go through a Division Three season undefeated continues, which is a good thing for the competition. We don't want, uh, I guess, um, you know, over, over its history, it's gone for 10 years, and Division Three gives, I guess, sides that are emerging, and some sides who have fallen back in the pack an opportunity to, to win games of footy again. So um, probably no surprise that no side's never gone through a season undefeated, but Panton Hill... I guess that wasn't their primary concern at the weekend to be the first side to defeat Lorimer. It's, I think for them it was to make a real statement and, and really put their name up as, as a genuine premiership contender, which we've always known they've been throughout the year, but they absolutely confirmed that at the weekend. Yeah, they did it very convincingly as well. We obviously called that game and, and Penton Hill got out to a fast start. Lorimer tracked them down and kept it, kept in the game for for a long time, but Penton Hill uh, led pretty much by Reese Boyd and seven goals just... Uh, 
dominated in that second half and were able to run out with a win and, it, and it's a real confidence booster going into finals. And we'll talk about it in depth later on but both sides didn't get through unscathed as well. Both were down to one fit player on the bench by about the midway point of the third quarter so that could potentially have implications once we get to finals as well. We know that there's only two home and away rounds and going to be some great action there as well because fourth spot on the ladder is still to be I guess decided over the final two rounds of the year so we'll delve into that later in the program as well in A plus Labor Solutions Division 2 we of course at the weekend that's just gone had that important game between Thomastown and Diamond Creek the Bears getting the points in the box seat but Jared, the way the fixture plays out means that they're six points clear of Diamond Creek. Three rounds to play. They both have a bye amongst that, but two games each. Diamond Creek has clearly got the, in inverted brackets, easier run home. We know there's no givens on, on any on any Saturday, particularly if we get some heavy rain as, as we're potentially going to get this weekend. But it's still, it's not wide open, but there's still the chance for Diamond Creek if they're good enough to play finals footy this year. Yeah, definitely. A great result for Thomastown. A, a confidence booster going into the last couple of weeks. As you said, they've probably got a harder run going into going into finals, but it's going to be a very interesting one. And we could see with that weather this weekend, they could throw up a, a, a different result and challenge one of the top sides. Yeah, well, D- Thomastown has a buy this weekend. Diamond Creek has a buy the last weekend. Thomastown just needs Diamond Creek to drop one of its last two, albeit... The Bears also know that they have to just win one of their last two. So there's probably four results um, to play between those two sides. Thomastown needs just one to go their way of the four. Diamond Creek needs all four to go their way. But mathematically, it's a chance, and, and the Creekers certainly aren't going to give up until uh, until they're mathematically out of the equation. Yeah, crazier things have happened, so we we'll never know. And we've seen that as recently as, as last year as well, and, and obviously in the top flight as well. We've obviously Daniel Keenan deserves to take precedence this weekend in, in what he's uh, achieving, becoming the first player to play 400 senior games in the NFNL, but also the fact that, is that it's open again, and, and his former side, Montmorency, kept right in the finals, hunt at the weekend. They, it's, For mine, they upset West Preston Lakeside. I know there was only one game between them going going into that game, but I, I genuinely thought the way that West Preston was going, that, that they would turn up to Montmorency Park and, and score a win. I didn't think it'd be easy, but I was surprised, you know, especially when you look at the halftime score, Montmorency had that one in safekeeping midway through the game. So it's thrown, well, I shouldn't say a spanner in the works because we've probably come to expect this right throughout the course of the season. But I think it's fitting now that we get to, you know, three rounds left in the season and there's still, you know, plenty of plenty of excitement and intrigue as to who finishes in, in fourth and fifth spot on the ladder this year. The top three all but secured of, of a double chance from here. But it looks like that uh, there's it, probably three sides really in the mix. McLeod, West Preston, Lakeside and Montmorency to play finals. Northcote Park's percentage makes it pretty tough from them for them from here. But Montmorency beating West Preston at the weekend, a, a massive result in the context of the season. Yeah, that's a great result. And as you said, an upset. West Preston been playing some great footy over the last couple of weeks. And and it really kind of flexed their muscles and shown why they were the reigning premiers, but uh, taken down a notch by Montmorency on the weekend. And it just, it, it's it's a confidence boost for, for Montmorency going into the last part of the season because now they know they can challenge those sides that are around them on the ladder. If they can just win out from here, they just got to hope that West Preston drop a game uh, from for, uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, well, as it stands, there's only percentage separating them, but it is 10%, which is is substantial. But yeah. Mont at the weekend, um, yeah, really, you know, their best win under Gary Ramsey for mine. Given what was at stake, oh, I think without a doubt that their best performance under under Gary and, and for West Preston Lakeside, the least ideal time to slip up as, as it was on the weekend. So 
fate's still in their own hands, but it becomes a, a little bit more tricky than it would have had if they won the game at the weekend. Um, so that's the, the senior men's side of things. Obviously, we'll delve into those competitions in more depth shortly, but also, we, we said from the outset, finals are approaching now, and, or not approaching, they're, they're here. They're, they're here in the netball competition, the juniors and also the senior women's. So this weekend, the netballers are the first to reach finals. So that's sections 9 to 12, commencing finals this Friday night. So uh, all the fixtures on the NFNL website. But Mernda Central College is where those games will be played this Friday. Section 9 to 12 semifinals. As per the previous years, it's a staggered final series. So we have 12 senior uh, netball competitions this year. Sections 9 to 12 begin semifinals this week. Next weekend... Sections 5 to 8 will commence their finals. And the following week on Friday, August 23, Section 1 to 4 start their finals. It means that when we get to, to grand final night, that again, it's, it's staggered across three weeks where uh, there'll be four grand finals per night, which uh, always brings a, an exciting conclusion to the season. So we wish all those players uh, competing for fi- in their finals the best of luck this weekend, Sections 9 to 12. As, as we said, Mernda Central College, but also it's big games in, in Sections 5 to 8 as well. Their final home away round and, and as we know section one to four the penultimate round with uh, two rounds remaining in their competition junior finals well they're on sunday they're staggered right throughout the northern region so head to the nfnl website for, for all the, the details they're free entry to junior finals as it has been for the past two years so great opportunity to cheer on not only your, your family members or friends of the family but uh, just to sit, go out there and see the, the junior stars of, of the competition in action as well so we remind everyone that's going out to those games just check the NFNL website um, obviously there's, there's policies in place there we uh, have no dogs or alcohol at, at, at junior junior finals or junior games in general with the alcohol but uh, just to, to double check the, the codes of conduct and, and all the uh, the I guess conditions of entry as well but free for uh, free entry into those games there so we do wish all those sides competing uh, the very best in, in this weekend's semi-finals and the senior women's finals also commence this weekend so Saturday and Sunday Epping Recreation Reserve is the place to be. Jared Gardner, we're going to talk later in the program to the head of football from VU Western Spurs, Caroline Kilmartin, but an amazing achievement by the Spurs at the weekend. Their Division 3 side beat Greensboro in a thriller. We knew what was at stake. It was first spot on the ladder, but for the Spurs to top the ladder in each of Division 1, 2 and 3, a remarkable achievement to, to, to achieve such a feat. Yeah, well, it's just absolutely historic and, and something that uh, it will be hard to be done uh, from now on because it's just it's just such a it's such a great achievement and to have at least 60 players just buy in it and to be able to uh, contribute and and to win the three minor premierships is just an amazing achievement and it'll be um, interesting to see how that how all three teams can go in finals yeah and and we'll delve into it a bit later on we uh, as we said we'll have a chat with Caroline Kilmartin but Division 1 and 2 team already had a buy in the final round, so it's two weeks off they have now, so how they, they manage that process. But you're right, it's a remarkable achievement. First off, to get three sides out in the park is is a great effort. They've done that for the past two years, and uh, and yeah, to finish top in, in each is a real credit to the club as well. But it was a, an exciting conclusion to, to the season because obviously that game was, was vital in, in Division 3, at Mervac Division 3, but um, we also had uh, a situation which we alluded to last week in, in, the, in the podcast about how the MC Security Division 2 
final round would play out. And it was an interesting situation because um, there was spots in the top three up for grabs. Heidelberg needed to win on the Friday night to finish in third spot. They did that convincingly in the end, uh, comfortably beat St. Mary's by 51 points. And it then meant the Borough, that was going to happen on the Friday night. They had to wait anxiously till Sunday to see whether they'd play finals. And Diamond Creek played Eltham. So as it stood going into the last round, St. Mary's was clear of Diamond Creek women's on percentage, clear of Eltham by a game in percentage. So they basically needed in that last game Eltham to win, but only by a small margin. Eltham won, but by a substantial margin. In the end, 75-point winners. It means the Panthers went from last spot going into the last round to sneaking into fifth spot. It was a 17 competition, but um, fifth, sixth, and seventh all finished with the same win-loss record. Only percentage separated them. So the Panthers, a big win, and, and now they play finals for the second consecutive year. So an exciting finale to, to the final round. Yeah, exactly. And it just shows when there's so much to play for in that last round of the season, it just shows what, what can happen and what teams can do. And a credit to Altham, they're um, just dominant over Diamond Creek and were able to sneak into that final spot. As you said, they made the grand final last year um, and now able to sneak into that final spot. It's a, it's a real great achievement from the Panthers. Absolutely, it is. And, uh, and obviously, Obviously, in Division 1, well, Bandura needed to have a big win to have any chance of, of playing finals. The, the Bulls, of course, last year's Division 3 premiers um, took the challenge this year of going up into Division 1, but the result as it needed for them, they had to have a win in the last round. Um, it didn't pan out that way. They were beaten by Bendigo, who, uh, in the end, uh, with that win over Bandura, uh, still finished bottom, but uh, got their second win of the campaign. Had won the previous two premierships battled this year, had a, a, a long list of, of player turnover, but have to give them credit because they finished the year in much in a much better uh, vein of form and finished with the two wins. That that result meant that West Preston Lakeside comfortably held on to fifth spot. So the finals this weekend that are coming up, we see in ANZ Division 1 women's, Montmorency is taking on Darabin. That's at Epping on Saturday from 2pm. And on the Sunday in Division 1, Diamond Creek is taking on West Preston Lakeside. Also a 2-10 start. Start, that being on the Sunday, on uh, into uh, MC Security Division 2. South Morang takes on Heidelberg in the qualifying final. 11.55 Saturday at Epping Rec Reserve. On Sunday, Darabin takes on Altham. 11.55 start as well. And in Mervac Division 3 women's, we've got uh, Greensboro versus Lorimer at 10 a.m. on Saturday at Epping. And on Sunday at 10 a.m., Montmorency up against Hurst Bridge. Good to see the Bridges playing finals in their first season as well. And, and good luck to all those sides competing. Again, all the, the finals, uh, terms and conditions of entry, all on the NFNL website. Again, you can double-check for, for the fixtures and, and uh, entrance points to Epping Rec Reserve as well. But uh, before we uh, turn our attention uh, any further, we'll have a chat with the head of football from the VU Western Spurs, Caroline Kilmartin, as we've just said, an amazing effort by her club. They've finished top of each of the three NFNL senior women's competitions. We caught up with Caroline. Her side has a break across the board this weekend, but we had a chat to her about the amazing achievement that they've been able to produce in 2019. Caroline an amazing home and away season for your football club, finishing first on each of the three NFNL women's ladders. Pretty remarkable stuff from your footy club. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a big year for the club, but um, like we keep saying to everybody that says that it's remarkable, it, it didn't happen overnight. We've we've worked very hard over a number of years for us to get to this point. So um, we've been the bottom of you know every league that we've played in in the past. So. Um, 
So to be able to, for all that hard work over the last couple of years to come to fruition and to end up on top of the ladder this year for every division is, um, is yeah, just, just the, the backbone of a lot of hard work for the club. I guess before we, we go on to, I guess, what, what you've been able to achieve thus far this year, if we can strip it back to even, say, pre-season, just to get three teams on the park is a remarkable achievement. I know the, the women's game's obviously grown so significantly, particularly over the past five years or so, but uh, you obviously lead the way here in the NFNL. There's a few sides or a few clubs who have two sides, but to get three sides on the park, how much of a challenge in the first place was it to, to get that number of players to, uh, to be part of the club this year? Yeah, it's um it's an interesting topic because um you do look at other clubs around um you know not just the NFNL but um you know even in the past like to hold teams together has been um hard for clubs to do especially with the women's but like you said given the growth of the game you know a lot of people are coming into the into the um into the women's game of AFL but um in terms of us I guess I can only speak for what we do we we work really hard with a lot of our players who um, you know, who want to go off and do other stuff or even players who go off and, you know, play VFL or play AFL. Um, we work really hard with keeping them in the fold at the club. So when, when their journey at VFL level or at AFL level comes to an end, we encourage them to come back and play for their community club that they um, started off with. So with those players coming back, then a lot of interest comes from other players. And I think that at our club we um, we promote such a good you know, um, a good spirit around the club. And a lot of clubs will say that they do that, but, um, you know, without blowing our own trumpet, we, we do it really well. We um, we create an environment that's really welcoming and we have um, a lot of support behind the scenes. So we've got an osteo program, we've got trainers that are amazing, we've got team managers, we've got all the support behind the scenes so that the girls can just, you know, basically turn up and have some fun. And that's really the guts of it, isn't it, you know? We just want them to have some fun finishing top of the ladder in all three teams is is a great achievement, but at the end of the day, if they're not having fun, then they're not going to enjoy that. I know last year, obviously, was the first year you had three teams in our competition. Obviously, the year before yeah. that, you had a side in both of the, the two competitions that we had, but last yeah. year, all three sides finished the home and away season in the top three. I know you talk about yeah. the emphasis on, on wanting the players to, to go out and enjoy themselves, but could you forecast what uh, what you had been able to achieve over the past probably you know 10 or 12 weeks to have you know three sides finish first, two of which are undefeated? I don't think you can. I don't think you can forecast it. No, because you don't know what you're coming up against. Um, you know the, the likes of, um, you know, Keelor in the past, Bendigo in the past, Diamond Creek, Darabin, the those big, big teams that you never know what they're coming into a season with. So I don't think that you can forecast that you're going to end up on top. I knew that we had a strong base, so I knew that we had a lot of, um, you know, big, bigger players coming back. Like I said, to finish off their careers with community or you know, to further their careers with community. So I knew that if you had a strong base at the top, that, you know, that would flow on through the other divisions. But we, we've we recruited some really, really good players and, and recruitment's really the key. Like, we don't expect players just to turn up. Like, we're, we're facilitating, you know, a, a program that players want to be involved in. So, um, no, I couldn't foresee it, but, you know, for it to happen has been amazing. The obviously weekend uh, drew uh, a, an exciting conclusion to the year. You, you had your top two sides already first yeah. on, on the ladder, and and they had the bye in the final round of the home and away yeah. season. But as it turned out, you you Division Three girls had to go yeah. to Greensboro, took on the ladder leader, knowing that if you won, percentage would get you into first spot. Yeah. It was a close game right throughout, and you, you just get the points in the end with a one goal win. What was what was the feeling like uh, after that result came through? 
Uh, do you know, the the actual game itself, I think I turned around to somebody at some point and I said, if this is what finals is go- are going to be like, then we're in for a hell of a ride over the next couple of weeks. The um, Greensboro are amazing. To watch, I'll start with them, to watch, to watch the way that they went about their game yesterday was they've got some really, really skilled players and, you know, that's that's from a div- Division 3 team. So they, they're only on the way up. But um, our girls... Wow, it was it was a up and down game all all day, and um, I think that we you know we had a little bit of an advantage because our div one and two did have the buy, so uh, we encouraged all of the girls to get down there and support. And um, yeah, they did, and you know our girls really pushed hard all day, and it was you know to their true resilience at the end that they got over the line. But it really felt like a finals game, and if um, if that's what what's to come over the next four weeks, then. You know, it's going to be a great final series, both for our club and for the league, I guess. I guess now the, the advantage of finishing first is that you go into the final series with a week off and get an opportunity yeah. to, to look at, at your opposition this weekend. Obviously, the final starting on Saturday and Sunday this coming weekend out at, at Epping Recreation Reserve. But yeah. it's a blessing, but it also could, uh, I wouldn't say work against you, but it's also a challenge because you've already had your Division 1 and 2 sides have a bye last week. They now have two weeks before, their I guess, their next game. How do you manage that yeah. and how do you work with the coaching group just so the, the players are cherry ripe when they prepare to play in a fortnight's time yeah the coaches have been amazing actually um they um they sit down each week and they try and work out what's best for the team going forward so yeah you're right i guess um two weeks off could could hinder you but um div three deserve a week off um they um they played really hard yesterday so they'll have a true week off um div one and two actually played a scratch match uh yesterday so they didn't have a week off um, we, we, like you said, we have the benefit of having three teams. So um, Div 1 and 2 played off against each other um, yesterday morning before the Div 3 game. So we didn't let them have a week off. Um, so that's kept them in touch a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think that, um, I think that you know, the little bit of rest, not, it's not going to hurt them at this end of the season. Um, you know, they've played hard all year and they've had a big pre-season. So... You know, they're still training hard and still focused on what they need to do in a couple of weeks' time. And it's the old cliche, isn't it? One week at a time. But, you know, we've done the right things to get to this point. So we'll see how we go. The I guess the other point with, with the club is a close alignment with the Western Bulldogs. Can you just give us yep. a, an insight into that partnership and, I guess, the, the benefits that, that you can garner out of that, but also, I guess, um, how, how that relationship actually works? Yeah, so um, I think... So way back when uh, Western Bulldogs uh, first um, created a women's football team and they were one of the pioneers in it, um, Debbie Lee, who founded the Spurs, you know, all those years ago, you know, 20-odd years ago, um, she is now at the Western Bulldogs. So we obviously still have that connection with the Spurs and the Doggies. Um, and a lot of our players play, a lot of Spur community players play in that VFL side. So, yeah, we have that pathway. Um, but... We, um, we, we, we have a constant contact with the Bulldogs. So, um, you know, they have players, I think there's probably maybe five or six of them that have played down in our teams throughout the year. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good relationship because it, it, helps, it helps our girls aspire to someone something higher than community. But then at the same time, like I said, it helps 
you know, girls who have played AFL for the doggies or played BFL for the doggies then come back and give back to their community club as well. So, um, yeah, we do have a good relationship with them. And, um, yeah, Debo has had that, um, had that, uh, what can I say, that, that, that founding relationship with both the doggies and us. So that's our link there. And, yeah, we continue it to this day and we, we enjoy having them. They come down and watch us play and we go and watch them play. So... Yeah, it's good. And I'll just finish with one last one. You obviously were the coach of our uh, representative side this year. You've, you've had a, a long involvement, I guess, in the, the NFL, I'll say long involvement, but you've been there since, I guess, uh, the, the competition started three years ago. But over yeah. the course of this season, how have you you seen the, the level of competition as, as opposed to the previous two years? Yeah, well, like I was saying before, watching Greensbury yesterday, I was, I was amazed. Like even our girls, um, I was amazed at the... The talent that that Greensboro had, and you know that just shows the strength of us really to be able to stand up to that talent. But um, three years ago, I guess the comp was very different, um, very raw. Uh, but um, you know the league have worked really hard over the last three years to try and get it up to a, to a, a better standard, and you can definitely see that better standard. But even teams like Bendigo, you know, um, they've gone from strength to strength this season. You know, they've, they've had a bit of a knockback at the beginning of the season, but, you know, watching them develop and watching some of the other teams come through, Bandura going up to Div 1, they've been really good. Um, new teams coming in the bottom level, Wallen, um, you know, Heidelberg and uh, those kind of teams. It's um, it's really good to watch. The the skills coming through, like in the bottom levels, can only push the, the top teams to get better and better, and that's only going to benefit the league, really. Well, Caroline, we really appreciate your time in, in joining us on the NFNL podcast. Again, uh, congratulations to the three V Western Spurs sides who, who topped the ladder in, in each of the respective competitions. Um, obviously, this weekend, uh, we'll enjoy the, the break in, in inverted commas, and, and all yeah. the very best for the upcoming final series as well. Thanks, Samuel. Thanks, mate. We are now going into Meadows Greyhounds Division 1, where we head now into round 16 action. Three rounds to go before we reach finals. The latter, well, the top three sides are all but secured the double chance from here. North Heidelberg just needs to win one more game to absolutely make certain of that. But again, they'd have to lose all three, and McLeod would have to win all three for there to be any changes to the top three. So Greensboro needs just one win from here to ensure they finish in first spot for the first time since 2015. All the attention really though is going to be turned to that battle between uh, Montmorency, West Preston Lake, Side and McLeod for fourth and fifth spot on the ladder. Just two points separate those sides heading into the final three rounds. At the weekend, Jared, we saw some important wins, namely for McLeod and Montmorency. McLeod downing Hurstbridge by 10 points, Montmorency beating West Preston Lakeside by 32. The others probably all went exactly as, as we thought with Heidelberg doing it comfortably over Lower Plenty, Greensboro too good for Bundura, Yulong Reserve and North Heidelberg stretching away from Northcote Park. But those two we mentioned at the top, McLeod and Montmorency, vital wins for those two sides on their home deck. Yeah, well, as we spoke about earlier, Montmorency, a great job over West Preston. McLeod did a good job over Hurstbridge. Hurstbridge is one of those sides that we've kind of said it's been playing good footy over the second half of the season, just hasn't been able to get the results in terms of win wins on the board. Uh, so for them to get a 10-point win and really cement themselves in the top five at the moment is really good for that club uh, after starting the season on a, on a pretty poor note. Um, it, it, it probably 
works better for West Preston and McLeod. They probably have more winnable games this week. Uh, the Montmorency, Montmorency facing North Heidelberg. It's going to be a tough one, but coming off a, a probably a spirited win over uh, West Preston, they'll probably go out and say, well, there's no reason we can't win this game. So it'll be very interesting to see how this round plays out. Yeah, and they really took it up to North Heidelberg not that long ago as well. Lost that game by three points. What a difference that result would have made if it went the other way to, to what the, the ladder would currently look like. But you're looking at the, at the current ladder, McLeod, on 30 points. They've obviously got the draw that uh, means that percentage for them is not going to be a factor. So they're on 30 points. West Preston on 28, Montmorency on 28. West Preston a percentage of 100, Montmorency a percentage of 90. The run home for these sides, McLeod travels to Northcote Park this weekend where they're probably favourites against yeah. the Cougars, it has to be said, and then finish at home to both of those two sides, Montmorency and West Preston Lake. So we're probably in a position now where McLeod, with a win this week, would only have to win one of the, one of the last two to play finals. Then you've got West Preston, who this weekend hosts Hurstbridge. They'll be favourite, but we know Hurstbridge will be looking to uh, create the upset, given the fact they're playing in such an important game. Daniel Keenan, 400 games. Then finish the year away to Bandura, and then away to McLeod. So that's their run home. Montmorency has North Heidelberg this weekend, and then it's McLeod at the Winton Park, finish off with Lowell Plenty at home at Montmorency Park. So you're looking at all those, and I reckon Optimus for each of those teams look at all those games and so say we can win them all. Montmorency this weekend, it's a tough challenge. Travel to North Heidelberg. The Dogs, obviously, it's still a live game for them. As we said, they need to win one of their last three to um, to shore up third spot on the ladder. But uh, I reckon it's too early to say exactly how, how it all plays out. I think that McLeod in the box seat because they've got that extra half a game. But you look at, at their run home and... You know, if they were to, say, lose this week in an upset against Northcote Park, then all of a sudden, those last two games, they're not going to be easy. I know they're both at home, but they're against the two sides that are fighting most desperately against them to play finals this year. Yeah, well, this week's almost the must-win because if they lose this one, then it's just going to be harder harder than ever for them to, to beat Montmorency and West Preston both in the final two rounds. So... I think McLeod, as you said, probably in the box seat now and will go in as favourites to Northcote Park and, and should win that match. But if they don't, then it's it's going to be a real tough time for them to make finals. Um, as we said, we, we don't know what's going to happen this week and we could have new storylines next week. Montmorency, um, if they can travel to North Heidelberg and cause an upset there, it would be an absolutely great result for them. So it, it's going to be an interesting last couple of rounds of the season. It sure is. And I think the good thing, the thing that makes it even more interesting is that those sides are all building towards the back end of the year. There's none of them are limping towards the finals. They're, they're all actually, you know, they've got an upward trajectory. So McLeod has won four of its past five games. The loss was that uh, that blowout to West Preston Lakeside, which yeah. we didn't see coming. West Preston, well, they were disappointing at the weekend. Their last five, it's it's three and two, but if you extend further back, we know it's seven wins from their past nine games. And then Montmorency, it's three of the last five of victorious in. Two losses, one to North Heidelberg by three points. The other one, they were soundly beaten by Heidelberg, where they were overrun after half time. But they, uh, yeah, they're all they're all on the up on the up, which makes the the battle into to playing finals, you know, even even more exciting you know, for for us as as neutral observers as well. So. Looking ahead to, to what's to come this weekend, Northcote Park hosts McLeod at Bill Laurie Oval. West Preston Lakeside at home 
to Hurstbridge at J.E. Moore Park. Lowell Plenty up against Greensboro. Now, on the ladder, this is obviously not... Uh, well, this one, we most would expect Greensboro to win comfortably. It's top against bottom, but it's an important day on the the uh, Division 1 calendar. It's um, Both clubs have, have done a good job when they've both been in Division 1 together, coming together. Lowell Plenty hosting the Vietnam Veterans Day. So uh, the game, uh, obviously, is... Um, it's you know paying honour to to those do, that uh, served our country uh, and uh, obviously has a particular focus on the the Vietnam veterans as well. So um, the ceremony starts from from 1:45. So um, obviously great uh, great by both clubs to to get behind that. Lower Plenty has done a really good job in hosting that game for I think it's now the the fourth year they're doing it. And a couple of years ago, I actually upset Greensboro on, on that occasion as well, where they went they were relegated that year, but they still managed to, to get a win over the Borough. It would be a very big upset if they were to do that this weekend and then the the round also uh, includes games at Shelley Reserve where that's the big one isn't it North Heidelberg up against Montmorency and Heidelberg's going to be favourite against a Bundura side Jared Gardner which it's now confirmed won't play finals for the first time since the year 2000. Yeah it's, it's just an amazing uh, achievement for them to have played finals every year for so long it's um, it's going to be different not seeing a Bundura side in, in finals um, this year so it's a bit different, but maybe changing of the garden. We'll see some younger Bandura players come come through the system, and they'll be back and raring to go next year. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, you look at them right now. They're, they're five wins, ten losses, so they're in eighth spot at the weekend. Got jumped by Greensboro. They were seven goals down, and and it looked like unfortunately a, a massive blowout was was on the cards. They actually managed to fight back quite well uh, in that game. There it was a four goal to one second term in their favour. Kicked two of the first three goals of the third. So they've gone from being seven down, got it back to three goals. But but thereafter, Greensboro, you know, really, really dominant in that one there. And we've, we've said it time and time again. I know it's a bit like a broken record. But when you look at Greensboro's best and four of, of the best five they've got listed are Tom Bell, Charlie Molyneux, Chris Clark, Ben Fennell. I don't think there's too many sides that are going to be able to contend with that that midfield dominance. They kick goals. I mean, Molyneux kicked three at the weekend. Fennell's taken a few um, a few you know big marks, kicked two goals as well. Great to see Jake McNamara out there for Greensboro. Took a telling mark actually in the third quarter um, in the goal square, kicked the goal, and it was great to see basically everyone out in the field for Greensboro really get to him and and it's been a long long road back obviously after a knee reconstruction so um, great work to, to see him back out there so if we just uh, cast our eye quickly over a few of the others I mean Hurstbridge now they're out of the finals race but we've said already that they're a side that has improved greatly for mine this year I think they deserve another win which would give them their most wins in, in the Division 1 calendar season last year finished ninth with 3 wins this year they've achieved 5 they've got West Preston this week Northcote Park next and then Greensboro so they'll be looking at some opportunities to either cause a ball over or, or beat Northcote next week as well to get to, to at least 6 wins but they're showing leaps and bounds last 2 matches lost them both by 10 points when they've been in, in leading positions late in the game yeah exactly they've got the talent on that side and, and... We know they can do it. It's just a matter of if it if it all if it all comes to fruition and they can do it all in the one day. Um, yeah, if they can get another win for the rest of the season, I think that's a good result this year. And I think it's six losses by eighteen points or less. If you look at their past couple, as I said, both by ten points, lost to the doggies by three goals about a month ago. Um, you know the. They're showing signs, really pushed West Preston when West Preston was, was building as well. So they've got plenty to be optimistic of think going forward. On on sides that will play finals, we've probably glossed over a bit of what Heidelberg and, and North Heidelberg did at the weekend. But North Heidelberg, um, slow start against 
Northcote Park. Only kicked the one goal in the first quarter uh, and then thereafter were able to, to break away, kick the opening four of the second term and, and probably pretty comfortable thereafter. Shane Harvey really back in, in great goal-kicking form. He kicked six. Good to see Kyle Green back out after a long injury as well. But North, uh, I think now for them, it's just about getting uh, securing that third spot and then I think they're trying to peak at, at the right time of year. And um, They're always a, a dangerous side. I know they haven't been in the absolute best form in the back half of the year, but gee, you'd be crazy to, to discount what they could do in the finals. Yeah, exactly. They're a side that probably for the middle part of the season haven't had as much continuity in terms of their the team they've put out in the park every week. They lost Jesse Tardio through injury. They lost Harvey and Hogan uh, at, at points throughout the season. And Shane Harvey probably, after starting the season on fire, I think he had about 36 goals after 10 games. And um, Dropped off a little bit, probably playing in a different role, a bit more up the ground on the wing. Um, another another great performance on the weekend up forward for Shane. But now that they've got, as you said, Kyle Green coming back from that injury as well, now that they've got that core group all in the park all at the same time, they're a very dangerous side. And if they can just get three weeks of just a good run into all those guys, go into finals red hot. Yeah, we, and you're spot on. I think the Shane Harvey one's a great point. Playing in a, a different role, obviously they had, um, you know, some the, their midfield depth was being uh, tested a, a fair bit. But prior to the last two weeks, he'd kicked, I think it was seven goals in five games, which is not terrible. But I guess for, for a player who, as you say, started the year absolutely on fire, um, but he's, he's bounced back in the last two, four and six. And speaking of goal kickers, Heidelberg, Sam Grimley came back to the lineup two weeks ago. Kept to one goal against Hurstbridge. Kicked six at the weekend. The strong marking was, was back there. Um, I mean, their they're forward mix, Heidelberg. You look at, at the weekends, Grimley kicked six. Dan O'Dwyer, who's played in the back line for most of the year, went forward, kicked four. Uh, Ketchens hit the scoreboard. We know he plays off the wing and, and can push forward. Bike Smith kicked a couple. You've got Monogan Sargent there as well. You get that ball in. If you get dry days at Preston, and you've got Grimley, Bike, Smith, Minogue, Sargent to aim at inside 50. Well, if they're not clunking them, they're going to bring it to ground, and it makes players like, you know, a catch, and even uh, one of the youngsters coming in, Sam Wright, who's been promising over the past couple of weeks, they're going to get opportunities. So I think the way they're starting to build as well, they are really, at the moment, um, I shouldn't say they're coming good at the right time of the year because they've been good right throughout. But at the weekend, I think it, it was the, the prowess up forward of particularly a player like Grimley, which just shows that this Tiger side, I know they're, they're very young at, at the bottom end, but they are going to uh, take some, some beating when we get to the big stage at Preston. Yeah, for mine, just in my own head, they've kind of gone under the radar a little bit this season. We talk about the Greensboro so far this season and we, we talk about the North Heidelberg every week, but this Heidelberg side is, is stacked with talent. Obviously got the, the reigning one of the reigning Frank Russell medalist in Michael Brunelli, who's missed games here and there throughout the season. But when he's in the side, he's a, a really important player. Um, Grimley, as you said, just in kicking six goals, get that confidence booster going into the last month of the season. Dan O'Dwyer is one that, as you said, played in defence, played on Shane Harvey when um, in the Heidelberg derby earlier on in the season, and I think kept him goalless in that game or kept him to one goal. So it, it's it's a luxury to have those kinds of players that you can just kind of flip wherever you need on the ground. And um, yeah, they're a really good side building really well into finals. And you look at the players who weren't in the weekend's lineup. Jack Blair um, didn't play. Um, Tom Sullivan hasn't played for a month, nor has Anthony Bonadio. Um, you also think that, you know, 
they've almost the forgotten men of the side, but players like Aaron Crisp and, and Will Knight have barely featured throughout the campaign. I think it's three games they've played each as well. So they've got talent that can come back at, at the right time of the year as well. So as you say, they've in a way, you feel like they've just snuck under the guard. They've, they've dropped games at times when we probably didn't expect them to along the way as well, but they've now won their pass four, which includes beating Greensboro. Hurstbridge on the road as well, which isn't an easy win, and then convincing wins over Montmorency and Lowell Plenty. So they are a side, certainly, that's going to be a major player at the pointy end of this campaign. Before we round out our Division 1 chat, we've been fortunate enough to catch up with the record breaker himself, Daniel Keenan, this weekend becomes the first player in league history to play 400 senior football games in the NFNL. It's been one of the most decorated careers uh, throughout the, the league's history as well. He has twice won the Frank Rosbrook medal as the best and fairest player in Division 1. Uh, has been a captain at Montmorency. Um, started his career at Hurstbridge, now back at the club that uh, first gave him his opportunity at senior level. Um, countless club best and fairest um, you know, captain sides also been on the big stage as well on four occasions in grand finals. Unfortunately, doesn't have a des- what would be a deserved premiership medal hanging around his neck. But given the way he's playing this year, he's certainly going to continue going on uh, down the track as well. So here's our chat with this weekend's 400 gamer, Daniel Keenan. You are listening to the NFNL Podcast. Bomber, an amazing achievement. If we rewind all the way back to 1998 when you played your first senior game, could you ever imagine you'd end up getting to 400? <laughs> Thanks for having me, Sam. Um, no, not really. At that stage, um, yeah, going into a senior senior football year, it was um, obviously it was all new to me. Um, I was... I just turned 16 at the start of the season and I was um, looking forward to playing a, a year of senior football with both two of my older brothers, um, Steve and Chris, both at Hurstbridge and they played a lot of football there. Um, I pretty much grew up going to the football there every every Saturday for as long as I could remember and um, a lot of their the teammates probably saw me grow up and then, then I was... All of a sudden, I was playing football alongside them. So, yeah, it's a long, a long time ago, but uh, still got some pretty fond memories of those early football years. Well, obviously, it all, as you said, started to, at Hurst Bridge. Um, you then obviously crossed uh, back to uh, go and play at Montmorency. We had a, a really distinguished career and, and now back at the club where, where it all started. Um, if we can now maybe start at the, the end and, and then work, work our way back, but what's it been like coming home and, and playing at the club that, uh, that gave you the chance in the first place? Um, this year's been this year's been great. It's uh, in in many ways it's revitalising the different different environment. Um, it's the the ground is much kinder on the body at Hurstbridge. Lucky to have a good surface. Which as you get older, I suppose you appreciate those those little things that makes it easy to train on a Tuesday and Thursday. Um, but it's exciting being part of uh, a group where there's lots of young players and there's a fair bit of talent coming through the ranks. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've, although, you know, we're sitting towards the bottom of the ladder at the moment, the year's been far from a failure. We've, we've been pretty competitive aside from our first three rounds. And, uh, I think, you know, a couple of close losses, a few of those go the other way and we're really pushing towards finals. So with the natural improvement of the group, um, you know, I think there's some positive 
Lots of positive signs at Hurstbridge at the moment. You um, you left the club uh, the first time back in, I think it was 2002 when you joined Montmorency and, and you made an immediate impact there, understanding as you won two best and fairest in, in your first two seasons at the club. What was it that, that first drew you to, to Montmorency and, and what was it like making the switch at the time? So uh, I'd, I'd done a pre-season at, at Coburg um, leading into that season and... Uh, at the time, I was studying at university, had a, doing a double degree, and trying to balance everything out was was proving to be a little bit difficult. Um, making the the VFL type commitment um, took up a lot of time. It was it was three times training, plus the occasional Saturday mornings and things like that. So in the off season, um, it so happened at the same time my brother had moved from Templestowe and he was he joined. Uh, Montmorency so I just followed him across um, and yeah the rest is kind of history I, I turned up late in the pre-season and he was only a few weeks before practice matches really um, signed up there and played for 16 years there you obviously uh, on an individual uh, I guess uh, achievement uh, were able to uh, win back-to-back Frank Rosbrook medals as, as the best player in, in the Division 1 competition 2008 and 2009 were those do you think on a personal note were they the best years of footy that you played those two years? Uh, probably not I'd say I'd probably say my, my first two years at Montmorency were probably my best years um when I won the, I think over the years I won the club best and fairest. Um, I guess you probably by the time I I got to two thousand eight two thousand nine. Once you're well more well known around the competition, I, I think you tend to to catch the umpire folks <laughs> a little bit more. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I guess as different different periods of my career, I've been different in different ways. I've probably had. Probably over time you get more, you develop a consistency as you as you get more experience. But in terms of of my best years, I'd probably say oh two and oh three were one of my best years. Those two years as well, the, the club played off in grand finals. You, you've played in a few, unfortunately. Um, you haven't had the, the results go your way. But uh, how do you look back on on those appearances on on the biggest day of, of the season? Yeah, um, it'd be nice if if. At least one of them went went the other way. Uh, 2002 was a really exciting year at, at Montmorency. It was there was a, a real balance of the local players that that came up through the ranks at Montmorency, as well as a handful of new recruits. So um, there was a lot of excitement because I don't think there was there was a lot of expectation or knowing where we would be at the end of the year and. As the season rolled on, we kind of kept piling up the wins, and um, Epping were the strongest team that year, and we ended up meeting them in a in a second semi final, and we kind of threw everything into it, and we happened to win it, and uh, everyone was obviously super excited. The whole club was was going really well. We had our reserve side; they made finals. I think they went straight into the grand final as well. Um, so. That day, when we when we eventually got to the grand final, um, Epping ended up going out in straight sets, and Northcote Park, who were kind of on the on the latter part of their dominant period, ended up making the grand final as well. So we played off 
and it was it was probably at that time the biggest crowd I'd ever played in front of. Um, it was it was a pretty special day. It was it was actually a beautiful day uh, weather wise, except you know you get the the wind at Epping, as as a lot of people will know how how it can blow across the ground there. But um, we we had a bit of a slow start and we we came home strongly, but we just weren't able to uh, to catch up and get across the line. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, the the next year as well, we we lost to West Preston. So yeah, there's a bit, there's been a bit of grand final heartbreak over the years. I hate to, to harp on, on negatives when it's such a, a positive time and obviously breaking the record at 400 games, but uh, do, do, does the pain of it ever leave you? I think it's, it's four, unfortunately, that uh, you've been on, on the wrong side of, but does the pain of, of losing those grand finals ever go away? I think there's a certain amount of frustration. Um, sometimes, I guess, you can reflect on moments of games and different things, but but I, I guess you can't harp on it on it too much if you you just got to got to move on and you know back up for the next year and and I guess that's what I mean after losing the grand final that's what we did um and you know there was a period there at Montmorency where we we continued to play finals and and push out ourselves forward to to try and get there in the end I unfortunately fell short but you know although it would be nice to have, have won one it's still you know there's still a lot of things that you get out of football in terms of the the mateship and and all that kind of stuff, which is which is great, and just the enjoyment of the game. So if you don't love the game, you wouldn't play for so long. So there's, there's definitely that. Looking back now, do you have uh, anything that, that you look back on most fondly over what you've achieved over 399 games thus far? Not necessarily. I, I mean, every year brings it. You kind of live in the moment a little bit while you're playing. I think reflecting on things you know we have a milestone and maybe reflect on certain things but I think that probably comes later I think while I'm still playing it's a lot more focused on the here and the now and you've got your week to week thing and your Tuesday training and Thursday trainings and things like that so so I think there'll be a time to reflect on on it but um not necessarily no you make a lot of good friends and and that's it that's a great part of, of football your durability has been something that I think everyone's noted over the journey, um, even you know to the last two years that since you've joined Hurstbridge, haven't missed a game, and you've been a player that's um, you know really been able to back up consistently and, and play to, to such a high level um, over a consistent period of time. Well, how do you how do you prepare for the game to to make sure that that you're in you know peak uh, you know peak physical condition when you get there and and, and avoid injuries uh, as you've been able to do for for such a long period of time. Um, Probably a combination of hard work and luck. <laughs> um, no, I, I like to train hard. Um, like I, 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 um, I enjoy training, I, and as well as that, I'm I'm pretty lucky at work. And we've got a gym at work, which I can go to at lunch times and, and things like that. So, in, in terms of preparation, I think that sets you up to um, to, tr- to to get through what can be you know tough seasons. Along the lines of, you know, I think all players, they play for long enough, play with some niggles here and there. And, you know, sometimes you just you just have to push through. And, um, and, she, and yeah, as you get older, I suppose, you get a few more niggles. But, um, but yeah, preparation preparation is definitely the key. Put in during pre-season and, and things like that. And it sets you up for, 
a good season, I think. How have you seen, I guess, the game change at local level over the period of time that you've been involved? It's, it's such a, a long time, 21 years uh, playing in, at, at senior, senior competition level, but how have you seen it, it change in terms of how the game's played, but also, I guess, the, the demands uh, going into each game as well? Um, it, it's, it certainly changes. funny, when, you, when you're exposed to it, it's, it's a much more, it's a gradual change when you're a part of it. Um, I think, I think it, it kind of, you know, follows that, the AFL trend, but there's, that's that slight, slight delay. I think the, the, the game seems to move a little bit quicker or in a different way. Um, I mean, a lot of the things that, 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 are, that make local football what it is kind of stay the same as well. Like, the Northern Football League, I suppose, has always been known for being, you know, fairly strong physical, and I, th- I think that aspect of the game still, still there. I think there's a different amount of polish towards certain aspects of the game, um, and and the commitment, the time commitments, and the the, the training and and things like that have, haven't necessarily changed a lot, um, but there's probably more an emphasis on doing those extra recovery things and and stuff like that but um yeah it's hard to pinpoint any any one thing when you when you're exposed to it because it, it becomes becomes gradual i know you've mentioned previously in this chat that you haven't really had time to, to reflect back because you've been probably caught up in the moment but if i had to put you on the spot and, and just say maybe a few of the the better plays you've played against and, and played with over the journey who would be the first that, that spring to mind yeah, that, that, that's always a tough one. <laughs> I've like, probably been asked that, that question a lot of times. Look, a sta- one of the probably one of the, the biggest standout players that I played with would have to be Mark McGough. Um, he was just he was an all rounder. He's strong. He was fit. Um, he could find the ball. He and and from a local football perspective, he was a terrific clubman as well. Um, he really embraced. Um, the club at Montmorency and all the people around it, no matter who they were. So, yeah, he'd definitely be one I'd, I'd mention. I guess um, you I mean you're hitting you're hitting 400 still in in, in great uh, in you know, great condition and as I said you you haven't missed the game still since since coming across to to Hurstbridge at the start of last year. What's the the plan going forward? Do you, will you look to to go on beyond 2019? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I get asked that question a lot, <laughs> especially at this time of year. People start asking that question um, a lot more. Probably like a dollar for every time I've been asked <laughs> over the past couple of weeks, actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, at this stage, at this stage, um, the the plan would be to to play on again next year. Um, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that uh, my wife embraces the fact that I play football and she kind of loads, I've got three kids and she loads them into the car each week and they all come and support me each week. So from that perspective, it kind of makes it, it makes it a a much easier decision um, when, when you get that kind of support. So yeah, I've got uh, an eight year old son and he loves coming down to the club and all the boys kind of get around him. And so if I asked him, he'd say, no dad, you've got to keep playing. So, (laughs) 
Well, I think uh, I think form certainly warrants it as well. Uh, you know, looking at, at even things like coaches, uh, MVP votes, and, and whatnot, and you're still right up there within uh, the leaders of your club. So I'm sure form absolutely warrants it if uh, if it comes to that, mate, as well. But uh, this weekend it's West Preston Lakeside who you take on. Uh, you reach game 400 at JE Moore Park. Is there anything in particular to to this game that there'll be a different preparation as uh, as you reach that milestone, or is it business as usual? Yeah, it's probably business as usual. Just there's a little bit of junior sport on and fit all the, the morning preparations around that. And um, Yeah, just head to the game as usual. Don't change things after, after this long. Well, it's, uh, it's really changed that much. It's, uh, it's done you very well up until this point of time. But uh, on behalf of, of everyone uh, at the Northern Football Netball League, and I'm sure on behalf of everyone within it as well, um, congratulations, Daniel. You've been an ornament to, to the competition, you know, reaching 400 games, one of the most revered players in the competition. Um, you know, everyone you, you speak to always has a good word about, about yourself as well. So congratulations. Uh, embrace, I guess, the, the milestone as well. And we certainly look forward to you playing well beyond 2019. Thanks, Samuel. Thanks for that, mate. Now looking at A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2, where, again, we've got three rounds to play before we head into the finals. The finals picture, it's looking slightly more clear after the results that we saw uh, at the weekend in round 15 action. And that obviously is headlined by Thomastown running away from Diamond Creek to secure a 30-point victory at Coventry Oval. Uh, elsewhere, Altham probably uh, took that major step towards playing finals. The Panthers need just one more win from their last two to secure that. They're also still in the race for the top two as well, given the way their percentage is, uh, is playing out too. Epping was no match for St. Mary's. The Borough recording their biggest win uh, in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. And the Fitzroy Stars, well, they took it right up to Banyul, but the Bears were able to hold on late and move another step closer to securing the minor premiership. So with three rounds to go, We've got Banyul on top with 44 points. Whittlesey is second with 40 points. Those sides meet this weekend in a blockbuster twilight game at Beverly Road Oval. A Banyul win would secure first spot and the double chance, and which we're expecting that uh, they're going to have regardless because uh, they've got, uh, well, they've just been the dominant side all year, basically, Jared. So you've got those two out in front, and then you've got Altham on 36 points. So as it stands, uh, Altham 36 points, Thomas down 36 points. Altham a percentage of 130, Thomas down a percentage of 127. So they're the f- sides in the top four. You'd say that given the fact Banyol's already on the 44 points, Jared, they're Percentage is the greatest in the competition. They, they're going to finish top two, but obviously the win this weekend would absolutely secure that. For Whittlesey, there's obviously plenty to play for this weekend. They want to prove that they're a genuine contender, but they've also got Altham breathing down their neck. The Panthers are pretty dominant in the win over Watsonia at the weekend. Only conceded the five goals. They also finish the season with games against, well, St. Mary's this week, who's certainly going to be no pushover, but the Panthers are favourite and then uh, finish off the year with a game against Epping. So percentage potentially comes into play when it comes to second spot on the table, but we'll see this weekend a, a huge opportunity to, I guess, reaffirm their, their premiership credentials. They head out to Banyuls, Beverly Road Oval, take on the Bears, 4-10 start, massive game for both of those clubs. Yeah, exactly, and this is probably the game we've been waiting for. It's unfortunate the Twilight game where us would be calling it on the, on the radio call this week, but... It's going to be Clash of the Titans in Division 2, and, and these are two sides who we probably expect to, to go deep in finals, if not be there in the last day. So it, it's going to be an absolutely great matchup. And um, as you said, probably if, if Whittlesey lose that one, 
Altham might just be able to sneak into that second spot of the ladder depending on what happened in the last week of the season uh, or the last couple of weeks. So it's an, it's an interesting one and it'll, it'll be a very tough matchup. It absolutely is. So obviously we're, we're looking forward to that game, but it's also what the game can provide yeah. that I think is, is telling because Whittlesey was... was well, especially in the first half, the last time the sides played, they were they were smashed by Banyol first time around, and that was really the turning point for Whittlesey. Since then, they haven't lost the game. They've been pretty dominant in their wins. They've had now a week's rest to prepare for that game there. But if you go back to the last time they played, it was all the way back in in round eight at the showgrounds, and it was a 44 point win for Banyol. But the damage was all over at half time. 11 goals to one in the first half, and that was all uh, all you all she wrote. So since then, Whittlesey's beaten. Thomastown and Eltham by close margins, uh, got over Diamond Creek and then had commanding wins over Epping, the St Mary's Footy Club and Fitzroy Stars. So six wins on the trot. Banyol's form, it's its hard to get a read on them at the moment because um, you wonder whether they've just you know, got one eye on, on what happens going forward, whether training loads change at all. But after starting the year really dominant in the way they, they won their games, they've just you know, hit a bit of a wobble, haven't they, in, in recent times. I guess... You could throw that out when you consider that uh, amongst their past five games is, is a massive win over Watsonia by you know, more than 20 goals and, and also winning away to Altham. But you know, you look at it's almost been every second week they've, they've just battled a bit. They've had that, that loss to St Mary's, they had the loss to Diamond Creek and at the weekend against the Fitzroy Stars, you just wonder whether they just took their, their eye off it a little bit, 40 points up at half-time, ended up only winning by seven against the side that isn't in finals contention. But you probably... Can't help but uh, but understand if they did, you know, just slightly guess, um, you know, move their eye off the ball, given the fact that they've probably got one eye towards this weekend and, and what that game presents against Whittlesey. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're such a good side manual, and you, you do expect them to to be ready when finals comes around. They'll be ready to play against those sides that are going to be in finals and they're going to have to face and are going to be raring to go. So, I, I expect it. it They'll, they'll build towards finals, and I think they'll be in red-hot form come finals time, but um, it's, it's been an interesting second half of the season for them. Absolutely, it has. So if we talk, we talked about the top four, Diamond Creek's loss at the weekend was was obviously really telling for them because they had have, if they had have won that, they would have jumped two points clear of Thomastown into fourth spot, and then with their last two games as it plays out, you would imagine that they would have been able to then go on to play finals. It didn't work out that way. They were ahead at three-quarter time. It was a tight tussle, it has to be said. It wasn't a game where either side at any stage during the first three quarters got out to a substantial lead by, by any stretch. But it was Diamond Creek by a point at three-quarter time. Last term, Thomastown piled on seven goals to two, took a 30-point win. So if we just look ahead as to, I guess, the potentials that, that could, could play out from here, Diamond Creek, their run home sees, uh, well, I guess we say again in inverted commas, two you know, winnable games, but they've got what's only this week and then St. Mary's at Watmore Park. St. Mary's absolutely no, no slouch. I guess without being disrespectful to what's only, you'd expect Diamond Creek at home this weekend to get the win there. So it's Watsonia, St. Mary's, and in the bye. They must win both of those games to have any chance of playing finals. Thomastown, well, it's a bit different for them. They've got a bye this weekend, the Bears, and then it's Whittlesey and Banyol. So there's four games, as we said in the intro, that are going to determine the finals. Diamond Creek needs to win both and have Thomastown lose both to play finals. They can't have it any other way. That has to happen. For Thomastown, they need to just win one, or if they don't win one, 
they have to have Diamond Creek lose one. So effectively, if you're talking percentages, Diamond Creek need four results to go their way. Well, not so much percentage, but talking numbers. Four to go their way. Thomastown just needs one result of those four to go their way. Having said that, I guess it's it's not a, a formality just yet. Altham, I guess we have to also put in the mix there as well, given the fact that they are on the same points as Thomastown with only a 3% better percentage. But Altham's run home sees them this weekend, as we've said previously, get play St Mary's, which is at Watmore Park. Then uh, the Panthers have the bye, finish up with Epping in the last game of the year. So you'd imagine that uh, certainly with that last one in particular that they're, they're going to play finals. But it's also not a matter of just top four. There's obviously, obviously a spot in the top two still up for grabs. So uh, it's a, a fair bit for us to, to try and work our way through. But Banyul as we said, absolutely in the box seat to, to finish top spot of the ladder. They're on 44 points already. Whittlesey's on 40. Those two are the only sides in the top five that have actually not got a buy going forward. So they're in the best positions possible. If we just look at their, their runs home from here, they obviously play each other uh, this weekend, which is a massive game, the Twilight game, as we said, at Beverly Road Oval. Then for Banyul, they finished the year with Epping at home and then Thomastown away, knowing that that last game could be a real lively one given the fact Thomastown might need to win to play finals. Whittlesey, well, they've got Banyul away this weekend. Then it's Thomastown at the showgrounds and then finish with Watsonia away. So a loss this week and then all of a sudden next weekend it's a telling game because top two spot might be at stake against Thomastown knowing that Thomastown's also winning to just make the final. So there's so much to still play at. It's, it, it almost gives you a headache trying to, to work out all the potential scenarios. But what we can definitely say is that the top four can still change, but so can the top two. Yeah, well, it, it's just going to be an incredible run to end the season because um, obviously, yeah, Thomastown, they're an interesting side for me because they, they score heavily, as heavy as anyone really. They, they're, they're second in points for this season to, to Banyul. So when they hit the ball, they can hit the scoreboard really well and, and that will challenge the sides like Banyul and Whittlesey. So I can see them causing an upset, upset in their final two matches. Um, but, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Well, four wins in a row now under Scott Plant, but it's the way they're winning, isn't it, that, that's most pleasing, I think, for them. It was a convincing win away to the Stars, run away with it against both Epping and Watsonia. So they built percentage in uh, in those three weeks and then at the weekend, that last quarter. I know we had uh, NFNL reporter Nick Sacco at the game and giving us updates throughout, but, but as he said on the day, the way they play that last quarter, it wasn't important for them just to say they can play finals. They can contend against anyone when yeah. they're playing that kind of footy and we saw that earlier against Banyul for Diamond Creek disappointing obviously the news that came out during the week as well Craig Hayes confirming that this will be his last year so that was announced prior to the game yeah. um, that he, he won't seek uh, to, to be reappointed in that position he's done a great job at the club when he came there, they, they had almost just been relegated to, to third division. It was that last game of the year where they yeah. beat Epping by the margin they, that was required to, to avoid relegation. And then he quickly brought them back into a side that could contend, played off in a grand final. Obviously, last year was, was disappointing to miss out the way they did. But this year, when they've played their best footy, we've seen it. They've beaten Altham, Banyul. It's been Thomastown's been the real thorn in their side, hasn't it? That they're just a side that they haven't been able to beat in, in, in recent times, albeit the one time they did beat them, they, they let the Bears up the hook and, and, and allowed them to play finals. So uh, that's obviously big news. We wish Craig the very best in, in what comes next. And I'm sure from his point of view, he's still got hopes of, of playing finals and, and, uh, and still greater greater things to aspire to. If you look at the sides in, in the, the bottom part of the ladder, Jared, we've got St Mary's who's now climbed up to sixth, which for mine is a great achievement. Uh, five wins, eight losses. They've been... 
for mine the, the, a really great story throughout this year, the way they've been able to, after a tough start, it has to be said, their first couple of games, it was looking like it'd be a really long year as they became accustomed to, to footy in, in second division. They lost to Watsonia first up and were then smashed by both Thomastown and Banyul. But what they've achieved over probably their past 10 games, where it's 5-5 five and five and a few close losses there as well, They've got a, a real real look about them going forward to next year. Yeah, exactly. They've got a great young group. And, and they said that when they won the premiership, they said we're ready to go into second division. And they've shown that this season. Um, they're, they're actually not that far off the pace. Like They're 5-8, and eight, but they've got a percentage of 84. So yeah. it's, it's, it's actually a real good look for them this season. And, and they'll be with a lot of confidence going into the next season. If they finish sixth on the ladder, they'd almost be looking at... at, at pushing for finals next season. Well, do you think as well, what I like what they've done is it's, it's just been the natural improvement yeah. of their list as well. They didn't go out and recruit really at all. Um, yeah, allowed the, the players that have been building within the club to, to take them forward uh, in, in this next chapter. And, and a few of them have really stood up. We've said them a few times, but players like Tom Campbell, Jackson Molescoe was a player playing, you know, during the, in the reserves at times in recent years, and he's really stood up. Unfortunately, Jacob Yeomans was injured about a month ago because he was probably leading their, their best and fairest. And and uh, and then you look at players like even you know Nick Dean's elevated his game for mine at, at a higher level. Miles Goulden's still being able to kick you know more than two goals a game, basically averaging. So they've got a lot to like going forward. Yeah, there are sides that I remember when I kind of first started with the league and riding it. Kind of you go out to the St Mary's side and. They were challenging in Div 3 and they were challenging the top sides and you could see that young core was really coming through and um, you could see probably four or five years down the track it was going to be a really good core group of players and now they've won the premiership, they've gone up to Div 2 with a lot of those guys who were stuck around at the club and they've built something really good and it, it, it'd be really great to be a part of down at St Mary's. And then of course uh, the Fitzroy Stars, well they were disappointing the week before against Whittlesey but they restored some pride at the weekend, 40 points down at, against Banyul, they could have rolled over, but really, you know, played for the jumper and managed to salvage something out of that game, despite not getting the points. And a real, uh, you know, they'll now look to to win a couple late in the year and just build some momentum going forward. And and for Watsonia and Epping, unfortunately, it's been probably a long back half of the year. But uh, likewise, they'll be hoping to to pinch a win at least as we uh, get to the the uh, final round of the year. So we'll take a short break. On the other side of this, we'll look at the action in Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three. The Meadows Conference and Event Centre offers a range of con conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. And we now move into Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, where Jared, going into round 16, we thought that the race for the top four may have been sealed or potentially could have been sealed, depending on how results panned out. It's a real spanner's been thrown in, in the works, hasn't it, with Mernda, well, they got the win over Layla a bit closer than what we may have predicted, but Old Altham Collegians downing South Morang means that four spots wide open, and we also at the top end no longer have an undefeated side. Round 16, well, it's certainly lived up to its billing. Exactly, and it was just great results all across the competition. As we said earlier, Pete and Hill were dominant over, over Lorimer, getting a six-goal win, and that Mernda result was a really interesting one. You probably thought at at Mernda, they probably should have run away with this one. They had finals still to play for. Um, Laylor really took it up to them one point in the end. Mernda were inaccurate, but 
you got to take your chances when they come in. And Layla really almost took that one and really almost got the win over Munda. Um, but that old Altham win over South Morang, not only to, to win, but to win by 55 points, is, or yeah, 65 points is just such a, a great result for that club. And had it had it won pretty early in the piece, seven goals to one in the first quarter, they had five goals on the board in, in the blink of an eye against the side that needed to win to play final. So that's made the last two weeks really exciting as to what could pan out. And also the other game we haven't touched on was, was Kilmore beating Heidelberg West and, and that result... They're not over the line just yet, but they're 99% probably short of a, a final spot. Or maybe not 99, but they need just one result to go their way yep. in the last two rounds and, and they'll play finals. So um, the the Blues, slow start, uh, trailed by nine points at quarter time, but that second term, um, you know, just about cements their, their finals play. Seven goals, ten to one goal, two. So pretty, in fact, one goal straight. So incredible quarter there. And Kilmore just got out of that rut that they'd slipped into, had lost three in a row and uh, convincing winners. And it also uh, made a, an interesting, I guess, a little uh, fact on, on the weekend. Old Altham, 15-14-104, defeated South Morang, 6-3-39. And uh, just about the identical score at JJ Clancy Reserve. Kilmore, also 15-14-104, Defeated Heidelberg West, who also kicked 39, albeit it was five goals, nine there. So pretty incredible for uh, for those who, who like to keep an eye on, on the numbers as well. But what it all means now, Jared, is that we hit to the final two rounds of the year. Um, we've got Lorimer on top on 52 points. Panton Hill is second on 48. It means there actually can be a switch between those two sides, albeit we know they're both going to be playing in the second semi-final. Kilmore is third, 36 points. All those three have played 14 games. South Morang is fourth, 34 points, but has a bye still to, to play out. And then Mernda is fifth on 32 points. So you can obviously put a line through the ones all below. So if we just look at the sides that can play finals from here and, and what the upcoming rounds mean is that Panton Hill, obviously we said that the first spot is still available for them if if they can win their two and, and Lorimer drops one. As we said, it's not really going to be that telling given the fact that you claim the minor premiership, but you don't, yeah, figure, I guess really get anything out of that. You're just going to be wearing the home shorts in, in that first final. So this is how the, the final two rounds pan out for the top five sides. Lorimer plays Mernda away this week, knowing the Demons need to win to stay in finals contention and then finish off against South Morang at Lorimer Reserve. So, they're going to have a big say as, as to who plays finals this year because they play the two sides that are probably scrapping for, for fourth spot on the ladder. Both of those two opponents are going to be looking for a big scalp to, to boost their finals chances. Panton Hill finishes off the year with Kilmore this weekend at AE Cracknell Reserve and they stay at home in the last round where they take on Reservoir. As we said, two wins and a loss to Lorimer would get them first spot on the ladder at season's end. Kilmore, well, they need to win just one to absolutely confirm their finals place. They play, obviously, Panton Hill away this weekend and then host Laylor. They can still play finals if they lose both games, but that would also then entail either Myrna losing twice or South Morang losing its final game of the year. So the Lions, I think for mine, the top three are pretty safe, but Kilmore they just definitely want to win at least one yeah. to, to make it an absolute surety. So it most likely it's going to come down to South Morang and Mernda to finish in fourth spot on the ladder. South Morang, a bye this weekend. 
travel to Lorimer in the last round. Mernda, well, this weekend, they have the uh, the big fixture where they host Lorimer, remembering they got within four points of the power when the sides met back on Anzac Day, and then finished the year with Old Altham at Altham College. Now we know that's not an easy game. South Rang learned that the hard way at the weekend. So I look at that, and I almost think that Mernda has the better chance. I just think that... Lorimer is going to be building towards the finals. I don't think they're going to, you know, be a, a side that's um, just, you know, takes any, either Mernda or South Morang with any complacency in the last round. And I think that in that case, if I actually think that, that Lorimer will win its last two and, and finish in first, yeah. which means that South Morang is then relying on Mernda to win. Uh, to lose, rather, away to Old Altham in the last round. Old Altham, well, the way they've been playing, they, that's probably a 50-50 game. But I think for Mernda, I've, I've just put them in the box seat, given the fact they have two opportunities in, in the last two rounds. Yeah, I'm the same. I think I think they're, they're definitely in the box seat. But that Old Altham side, they're, they're one that we've said for probably the past month. We've said that the top the sides in finals don't want to come up against in the, in the run home. And, and Mernda, unfortunately, have to come up against them in the last round of the season. It's going to be a very interesting match, and I think a lot of eyes from around Division 3 will be on that matchup in the final round of the season. Absolutely. And what we saw from the weekend, which was promising as well, is that obviously there's five sides of fighting for it. They actually tend to play against one another yeah. going forward. But you look at Mernda, you look at Kilmore, the games that they have that aren't against top four opponents, Kilmore's got Laylor. We saw what Laylor nearly did to yeah. Mernda the weekend. So they're not going to be a slouch. And then... Obviously, Mernda plays Old Altham in that last round. Again, we saw what they did at the weekend. So I think round 16 really makes... A, a, it was really a great showcase as to what could come for, for the last two weeks as well. And if anything, provides more questions than, than it gave answers. But um, one side that maybe gave a few answers on the weekend was, was Panton Hill because we talked about... And I know it's something that, that Doug Long, the, the Div, our Div 3 scribe, has mentioned quite regularly throughout the season that... Lorimer was the top side by two games, but if you looked at percentage, there's a case case to, to argue that Panton Hill's been the more dominant side, remembering they lost to Lorimer by a point and then had that slip up at, at Kilmore, but a percentage that was over 200 as opposed to Lorimer, who, you know, full credit to them, but they've had to grind out a, a few wins throughout the course of the year. But you, what we saw at the weekend, Jared, was um, a great contest early, but Panton Hill, the longer that game went on, the more supreme they actually looked. Both sides, we said in the, the intro to the, the show, unfortunately suffered some injuries. We saw Panton Hill finish the game with Matthew Byron, uh, also Scott Conti and Matt Fowler on the interchange. Lorimer lost uh, throughout the day Brad Deed. Uh, they also lost uh, Dallas King and uh, and young uh, Bryce uh, Codis as well. So um, they've all got some injury concerns coming out of that one there. But I think for mine, Panton Hill to kick 18 goals with Matty Byron playing you know, the best part of only one half, Reese Borden kicks seven. They really, you know, threw down the challenge to Lorimer. And I know around 16 win isn't going to determine this year's premiership, but I think Panton Hill walk away from that one there and they'd be supremely confident going forward. Yeah, exactly. And and when it kind of does dry up towards the end of the season, come finals time, and it, and it plays to those bigger bodies and it plays to um, the Reese Borden types, it's going to be hard to stop him. Um, and he'll go into it if they... When they do play Lorimer again, it's gonna ha- it's gonna be in back of Reese Boyden's mind that I've, I've kicked seven goals against this against this team. I, there's no reason why I can't do it again. They got some good help from their small forwards as well. So Cam Jordan kicked three goals, and I thought he was really good in that game. Um, Sam Park kicked two, and Alex Darkus was lively throughout the match. So I think 
while Boyden and Byron are the, the two twin towers for Panton Hill, they've got that good mix of, of small forwards around it. Yeah, the, and John, Jonty Rushton's another one who, if though if he can somehow you know contain those two forwards, if he then pushes deep, it's yep. another one to throw in the mix. And they also have the luxury now of, of using Nick Parks to, to fill gaps as well because Joel Mc, he won the best and fairest last year. Joel McClellan's come in, assumed first rucking yep. duties, and Nick Parks can now basically be put wherever they, they best see him fit. So a lot to like. I think for Lorimer, though, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, it's their first loss for the year, 13-1. and one. I don't think um, we, we can discount them just straight away, but I think they'll... I think sometimes learn more in losses than in wins, so they'll now know that like it, it could be a real motivating factor going forward. They weren't at their best. We've seen them at times actually really lift when they were challenged at the weekend. They did that early, trailed by 20 points early in the first quarter, and... and seemed a bit shell-shocked, but worked their way back. It was a really even first half, and afterwards, Panton Hill really asserted their authority. You know, kicked goals at, at really important times, early in quarters that, that really gave them momentum early in the third and fourth quarters. But I think for Lorimer, I think uh, those two sides showed at the weekend with the, the standard in which that game was played, that they're clearly the two sides out in front. Um, they both really like their, their chances of, of you know playing off in a grand final this year. But as we know, you know Kilmore on their day, South Morang and Munda have built as the years gone on. That there's no guarantees you know, in a prelim that uh, that you get the direct entry through. So I think that second semi final in a fortnight's time is going to be a game that we that we really look forward to. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. It's going to be a, a great uh, clash between the two top sides and uh, full on. I think they. They did have some great performers on the day. Jackson Cecil obviously kicked five goals, but it was probably young Ethan Frawley that was the one that really impressed me. In yeah, that first that... half, when the game was kind of still hot, he he was he really stood up for Lorimer. That was an eye-catching display, wasn't it? Yeah, because yeah. he, he just kind of, whenever he got the ball, he looked to, to play on and looked to take it on. And, and from, I think he's 17 years old or 18 years old, he's, um, it's, it's something that is a really good trait to have inside a player and something you can't really teach. They just kind of players have those, those instincts and know what to do so uh, a great performance from Ethan, Ethan Thrawley players like Jake Richards who's done it for a couple of years now just really exciting in defence for Lorimer um, it, it's, a, it's a good group to have and, and I think they'll, they'll still go into finals with a lot of confidence yeah and that's the thing I think you look at the weekend it's a big game for them but they'll gain so much experience you look through their list there was a host of 18 and 19 year olds as you said Frawley's only 17 and uh, even Will Jakovu's 16 years of age, whereas you look at Panton Hill, the players have won Division One yep. premierships in that side as well. So a real learning experience for Lorimer. But um, as I said, I think Panton Hill for mine, based on that, oh, I think they're now the favourite. But I, I would be saying that um, you know, with an asterisk. Cause I think Lorimer on their day, absolutely more than capable. So a massive weekend coming up in round 17. We'll just go through those games again coming up this weekend. Panton Hill at home to Kilmore. Reservoir hosts Old Altham Collegians. Laylor up against Heidelberg West. We, we'll give a shout out to Kyle Hewitt, who's been a great player in the NFL over the past decade. He's hung up the boots as an effective uh, following the weekend's game uh, in the loss to Kilmore. So um, wish him well in, in whatever comes uh, comes forward from here and then Mernda up against Lorimer's a telling game at Waterview Recreation Reserve they all feel like they're telling from here South Morang has the buyer now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the coach of the Panton Hill Football Club Steve Late his side at the weekend becoming the first side this year to defeat the Lorimer Football Club Steve obviously it was billed as one of the biggest games of the season round 16 you're two weeks or three weeks out from finals and it's the top two sides playing what did you make of that win over Lorimer on their home turf? Well, to be honest with you, Sammy, um, uh, I'm pretty pretty happy, and I know the, the club is, the group uh, certainly are. Um, 
the way it panned out was just perfect for us. Um, certainly it was a very, very tough game in the first half. It was as we expected, you know, we got off to a bit of a flyer. So it was really a game of momentum in that first half. Um, but really pleased with the way the boys responded, um, given the circumstances and the way we were more composed and our ball movement was more more to our liking in the second half. And um, in the end, uh, we came out on top, which was great. It was, I guess it was an interesting one going in for, for the neutrals there, just, just observing, I guess you, you never quite know, given the fact that both sides had, had locked up a, a top two spot. But the game started, it was it was physical, but there was also opportunities for, for both sides at either end. And, and it was somewhat of a, a shootout in some parts. Ten goals kicked in the first quarter. Did it pan out the way you'd maybe imagined in your head or how that game certainly started? It actually did. Um, it's very similar if you remember round round four where we we got off to a flyer that that particular day, and we've done the same uh, on Saturday where um, we were really really uh, uh, up and about early, um, a few wasted opportunities, a bit of kamikaze footy at times, um, and you know it's exactly how I thought it would pan out. To be honest with you. Um, and we weren't surprised when, um, obviously, Lorimer uh, responded the way they did. Um, nothing surprised us in that first half whatsoever. So we expected it to be extremely tight early. Is I mean, do you think it's it's an ideal preparation now as you get towards finals? Obviously, it's still two games to go there, but to take on a side that's uh, certainly one of the sides also vying for that premiership this year, do you think it's ideal to play a side like Lorimer and then also Kilmore this coming weekend right on the eve of, of the final series? I think it's perfect for us, to be honest. Um, getting over Saturday was crucial for us, obviously, and then um, and you know that gives us, gives the boys an enormous amount of confidence. Um, and then we get Kilmore this week, which uh, you know we need to rebound from where you know to, from what happened uh, earlier in the season, um, and we really need to be very careful and on our guard this week. So, just important we get the win Saturday, and um, and then we get Reservoir at home to finish the season off and prepare for uh, that first final. It's it's worked out uh, you know, pretty incredibly the fact that you play in consecutive weeks the two sides who have beaten you in, in the course of the season but obviously there was you know great anticipation going into Saturday's game. How hard do you have to work now to make sure there's not a, a mental let-off coming up against the side which, as you've just mentioned, beat you pretty convincingly last time around? Yeah, absolutely. And we've switched straight into Kilmore mode. Um and uh, you know that they they got us convincingly early in the year. You got to remember. So we've got an enormous amount of healthy respect for uh, for Kilmore and the way Nathan uh, has coached his side this year. They're they're extremely well drilled. They're a hard working side, um, and they, they obviously did a lot of homework on us uh, early in the season. I'm no doubt they'll do the same this week. So. No, we're, we're, there's no complacency whatsoever, Sammy. This group is so focused on achieving what we want to get to at the end of the season. So, um, you know, and it didn't surprise me even on Saturday. Just, you know, the the ex Division One players that have had success already, and and it didn't work out our way last last year, as you know. So they're really hungry to get that back and. Uh, uh, they just lifted that extra notch on Saturday, which was great to see, and they need to do it again this Saturday. It, it was a runaway win, but it was pretty gutsy as well, given the fact you were down to one fit player on the bench from probably midway through the third quarter. You'd lost significant players as well. Matty Byron didn't play after half-time. Um, Scott Conti, Matt Fowler, some some genuine you know of your class players there. Um, first off, how are they shaping going forward ahead of finals? And, and secondly, you must have been pretty pretty proud of the way the group still managed to, to run away with that game. 
Well, the, the pleasing thing, and that's it's a good point actually. The way, um, and don't, don't get me wrong, Lorimer lost two or three boys as well, so um, and some quality players. But uh, to lose Connie and uh, Fowler out of that midfield group, you know, they're the they're the chief instigators in the way we play. So to lose them, but the the way Nathan Hendry, Sammy Parks, and Dan Freeman stood up, um, you know, with minimal or zero rotations. And then to have Cam Jordan to sort of chip in to help out. They really lifted and they had to. And um, I was pleased with the outcome, obviously, from that point of view. So, And losing Matty Byron across half forward. We had to sort of improvise a fair bit. Um, but thankfully, Johnny Rushton did the job for us uh, and stood up when, when, when we needed him to. And uh, are those players likely to, to still be part of the side going forward, uh, heading into finals? And, and will they be okay as, as you go into that finals campaign? Oh, I think finals campaign, they'll be fine. Um, uh, pretty sure both Scotty Connie, um, um, he'll be fine. Uh, out of the out of the three, Matty Byron should come up. Uh, maybe Matty Fowler. We'll just have a look at him with his uh, with his hammy. Um, he's he's uh, out of the three. If any are going to miss this particular week, it might be Matt. But knowing Matt Fowler, um, he's more than likely to um, you know basically get up and play again this Saturday because he, he doesn't like missing and he's had he's had slight strains before and got through okay so it's really hard to tell at this point in time but obviously we'll test him prior to the game no you, risk you've won your past seven games now as you you know march towards another final series where again you'll take the the double chance what have you made of i guess the the build-up towards this year's final series if you can even compare it to to what you did last year as well oh, i think uh, for us you mean for the way we're going yeah absolutely yeah look um i'm probably got a higher degree of confidence going into this year's finals but, but I mean we're, we're a different lineup. Um, we've got Joel McClellan into the side he's had a couple back now as you know um, from a pretty serious injury to his ankle uh, and he's just improving week in week his game time's right up there now so uh, having that luxury of Joel McClellan will be a massive advantage I think um, and Nathan Hendry's just added that in and under uh, midfield grunt that we needed um which was awesome. So that complements, you know, Scotty Connie, Matt Fowler, and Dan Freeman, and Sammy Parks really, really well. So they're two key inclusions. And obviously Cam Jordan, you know, last year we had Taco, who was really good and uh, had a great final series. And then we can add Cam Jordan as the other small forward. And I really class them as probably the two leading small forwards in the competition. So to have those guys, and we brought our Matty Byron fit and well, um, I there's a fair degree of confidence compared to last year. Last year, we were, you know, we were still finding our way as a group, playing together. It was our first year together. Uh, this year, they've, um, they're really well-structured now, and they know our game plan back to front, and um, yeah, they're helping each other along. So um, a little bit more degree of confidence, I would think, this year. And uh, if I can just finish on, on one player, not that we want to highlight uh, individuals, but, but Reese Borden's game at the weekend, he kicked seven. He's the competition-leading goal scorer, won the uh, goal-kicking award last year, but seems to, to this year have, have added uh, an extra string to his bow, 68 goals in, in 14 games, but really stood up in a, in a big occasion at the weekend. Well, he, and he needed to, Sam, because uh, Reese would be the first to tell you that uh, Ratchie's had the best of him um, last couple. Um and Reese needed to have a good one and 
because but mind you, his form's been really solid, especially in the last four weeks, four or five weeks. He's been getting his bags of four and fives and so forth. But Saturday you know, against really strong opposition, a quality defender, um, you know, and at times having to worry about two on him at once and sort of. Yeah, um, I felt he uh, that was a sort of a breakout game in terms of um, getting a, a good notch under his belt against a, t- a quality opposition side. So seven goals is an enormous effort and clearly the best on ground performance uh, up forward. Well, Steve, really appreciate your time again. Well done on, on the weekend's achievement in becoming the first side to beat Lorimer this year. Obviously, still two games before finals, but uh, all the best in those and uh, and all the best for the final series ahead as well. Good on you, Sammy. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. As we said from the start of the program, final start in the netball, in the senior women's and the junior football competition as well this weekend. So we wish everyone the best of luck in their pursuits as they chase Premiership glory this year. Netball sections 9 to 12 Friday night at uh, at Mernda uh, Central College. We've also got the women's finals in the footy, uh, both uh, Saturday and Sunday. Triple header uh, with Division 1, 2 and 3 women's action. All those games at Epping Recreation Reserve and junior finals spread right throughout the northern region on Sunday. As always, get to the NFNL website for all the details there. Junior finals, as we say, entry is free, so do go out and support the junior stars. Jared, thanks for joining us in the podcast. Certainly an exciting weekend coming up, so uh, we look forward to seeing how those results play out. And to everyone that's tuned in, really appreciate your company. You've been listening to the NFNL podcast. <laughs>